one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Rather, the Pharisees came and said, Why don't your disciples fast like the rest of us? Why don't they fast? And Jesus said, Well, the bridegroom's here. When the bridegroom's here, you have a feast, not a fast. He said, We're feasting, not fasting. And but he said the bridegroom's going to leave now. Pretty soon he's going to and go to his um, upper office. He's going to go and set up his uh, telephone system, and he'll be answering phone calls now for two thousand years. And on the side, I'll be building mansions for all those that I'm going to come get. While I'm away, I'm going to send you somebody to help you. I'm not going to leave you orphanous. That, uh, that's what it, he, comfortless, that means in the, in the Greek, I remember that, in, it's orphanous. The word orphanous means orphans. He said, I'm not going to leave you a bunch of little orphans. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter, another comforter. The Holy Spirit does not have a physical body. And so um, Jesus just told us to let him have our bodies and he'd live in us, see. And uh, Jesus was limited with a human body and he could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at the same time because he can be in every Christian and in every pulpit and in every place. And uh, so uh, he said, now they're going to fast. When the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. And sure enough, they did. And so I mentioned the last Lord's Day that uh, the church was fasting and praying and the Lord spoke to him. said, now, I want you to separate, please, uh, Barnabas and Saul. Put Barnabas' name first, you remember. Said, Barnabas and Saul, I want you to separate them now, under the work which I've called them to do. And so they said, all right. So they put their hands on them. They knelt down, put their hands on them, and um, they um, uh, went out to the mission field, see. And, but it was while the church was fasting that the foreign mission program and the mission program was born, while the church was fasting. Don't much happen to church while she's feasting. You ever notice that? I mean, you've never seen a revival break out in the dining hall. I mean, that's just the truth. Because it's, it's, it's not what God promised. God promised. He said, now, you remember when the disciples were uh, after the transfiguration and they tried to heal the little epileptic boy and they couldn't? And they said, why? Why couldn't we cast him out? And why couldn't we heal him? And why couldn't we meet his need? They said, well, Jesus said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer plus or and fasting. And so evidently, the disciples had gotten away from the practice, the Bible practice. And Jesus fasted 40 days. Moses fasted 80 days, two different times, at 40 days each time because he went up to get the Word of God. I want to ask you a question. If it was necessary for Moses, and I, I'm not a legalist. I mean, in the sense that I believe in legal salvation, but I believe in legal discipleship. 
By that I mean, if that's what you want to call it. I believe, I do not believe in fasting for salvation. I do not believe uh, that a sinner can, why a sinner could go uh, 40 days and never save him. If he didn't eat a bite, wouldn't save him at all because you're not saved by refusing to eat food. But fasting is for the Christian. Fasting's not for a lost man. You never hear me get up and say, fast on the Lord Jesus and be saved. No, I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And uh, so uh, I, I don't believe in feeling. I don't, you know, I got a sweet letter. And this, uh, this young lady has really come through uh, uh, some mighty uh, places and to real victory. And she said, I cast away all of my outside emotions and just settle for an inside experience. I mean, that's good. In other words, she's been through a lot of things and she's been up and she's been down and she's been popular and she's been defeated and she's, uh, and, and, but she, and she's had, and she got mixed up with religion, you know, and she came in with a flock of books, didn't need all that bunch of junk. And uh, it hadn't got her saved. One of the ways you can tell false religion, they got more than one book. They'll come and knocking on your door and they'll say, now, we'd like you to turn the page. I said, if it's in the Bible, I'll turn. If it's not, I'm not. Turn you away from my door. Don't you ever let somebody fool you. All these little old new movements they got. Now then, I want to come to the practical side of the matter, and I'm going to include one other thing in the message if I have time. Fasting. How long should you fast? When should you fast? Now, I believe water fast. Turn the book of Matthew, please. Now, Jesus gave us some information about uh, fasting. Uh, 6, 16. 6, 16. Now, uh, hold your place right there. Turn to Jeremiah 6, 16. Now, remember the theme of these messages, don't forsake the ancient landmarks. Don't you ever get away from the ancient landmarks. We've got some, and don't you, don't you change. There's no need to change. These new movements are not worth 10 cents. 6, 16. Jeremiah, here it is. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. We're not going to do it. That's what the people say. That's what the kids say. That's what uh, church members say. We're not going to do it. Well, the old paths, he said, wherein is the good way, and he said, you'll find rest uh, for your soul. Now, let's come back to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He took it for granted they was going to fast. Would you just let me emphasize one more time that fasting is good for your mind, it's good for your body, it's good for your soul. I don't know of anything that can just help uh, your soul, mind, and body like fasting can because it's a scriptural doctrine. Why, Mother Nature could heal your body through fasting. She could heal your mind through fasting. And she could sure give you spiritual power because you would have time to go what? Read the Bible and pray. And to be alone with the Lord and just say to the flesh, I'm not going to feed you. I don't care how much you growl. I don't care how much you holler. I don't care how empty you get. You're not going to get it. Old stomach's always saying, when do we eat? What are we going to eat? I mean, bring me some coffee. I mean, give me a Coke. I mean, give me something. I mean, just anything. I mean, ain't that the flesh for you? Or the spiritual man said, sit down. You're not going to get it. Flesh go off and pout. That's right. Flesh is, a, it makes a slave out of you. Average person, you take grown people. They act like a bunch of little kids. They do. They act just like little kids. 
I mean, I don't see how people could be 40 and 50 and 60 years old and just like a bunch of little moping, mulish babies. Slaves, just slaves. That's right. Oh, listen. In the sixth chapter, in the sixth, he said, when you fast, anoint thine. No. When you, he said, be not the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They get a reward out of it, all right. Sure, just like a fellow that goes off and prays, you know, on the street corner, and he says a pretty prayer. He's been memorizing, you know, for the last three months. And they said, oh, wasn't that a pretty prayer? Yeah, that is a pretty prayer. No, that's not. He said they have their reward, but their reward came from men, and that's not much a reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now I want to give some practical thoughts about fasting. Number one, I think it ought, we ought to fast regularly, not maybe in a particular day. It doesn't have to be Monday or Sunday. Of course, I'd say this, that uh, the one day that people don't fast is Sunday. I mean, that's the day that the preacher eats the most and everybody eats the most, and that's when they go to church, isn't it? That's when they worship. i tell you the next time that they, that they ought to fast, but they don't. That's during revival meeting. Boy, I want you to know that old preacher, bless his heart, they'll gorge him two or three times a day and give him coffee and donuts and, and, and pie after church at night. And so they wonder why he lost his voice on Thursday night before the meeting closed on Sunday. Well, I tell you, and, and that's it. I know I've been there. See, that's the reason, oh, 20 years ago, I drew the line. And I said, now, preacher, don't you book me for one meal. I'm not going anywhere to eat. And they understand it. They understand it. I said, you didn't call me over there to eat. You called me over there to preach. And I said, I'm coming to preach. And I said, what if the Lord put me on a fast for two or three days and uh, I, I was all booked for meals? Well, that hurt old sister, you know, uh, Tilly's feelings and uh, Sister Millie and all the rest of them. Would they get mad? Well, I guess they would. They said, well, I've never been so hurt. I went in the kitchen and worked all day and I bought the best steaks and everything. And you know, he never did even show up. He didn't even come to my house. Well, isn't that too bad? <laughs> That's just one of the saddest things I've ever That just touches my heart. But it sure does protect my stomach. I know that. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just saying preachers are just such slaves. Boy, they can sit and eat and talk and jabber and drink coffee and guzzle this and that and the other and then wonder. I tell you, the Bible hadn't changed any. It's just like it's always been. Just like it's always been. And I'm certainly not talking about fasting for any recognition of the fact that you're on a fast. It's none of anybody's business except you and the Lord. That's what he said right there. He said, you just, and just like you're praying, he said, now you get in that closet and you close that door. You don't have to get out on a street corner. Now, I pray in the cafeteria or cafe. I mean, of course, I haven't been in one and I don't know when, but I mean, if I go uh, to a cafeteria, I'm going to say the blessing, but I'm not going to stand up in the chair and say, oh, y'all get quiet and pick and pray. I'm not going to do that. I mean, you don't have to be that silly, do you? 
But I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to duck my head and pray. I promise you that. Don't make a show. That's what he's talking about. Don't make a show of something that's between you and the Lord. Don't make a show of your fasting. He said, well, go wash your face. Don't disfigure your face. Don't come out with a long, drawn look on your face. Sad, you know, and somebody said, what's the matter? Oh, I'm on a fast. Yeah. Well, it looks like about to kill you. Yeah. Well, it ought to be a happy time, amen? <laughs> sure. You say, why, everything's lovely. It's fine. When you've been in touch with the Lord, and see, fasting, you fast unto the Lord, not unto men. You're fasting unto the Lord. Now, that leads me to say the next thing. I believe your fasting ought to be governed by the Lord. Now, he'll always tell you when to start your fast, and he'll tell you what to do about it. I mean, you see, the whole thing is this. What wilt thou have me to do? What does the Lord want me to do? Now, you heard me say now that uh, fasting is certainly in order when you go through a heavy burden, when you go through grief and trouble, and uh, when, you, when you get real tired and come in so tired at night and the day's been so filled with burdens and your body's just so worn out, don't eat. I mean, drink some juice, but don't eat a heavy meal because that's for the trouble. I, I had an experience like that this week, and I was disobedient. I paid the price. I've eaten three meals, three meals since last Sunday, three salads. That's all I've eaten except what I drank. Now, I'm not bragging about it. I'm just simply, but I tell you, one of those meals sure was uncalled for. Well, I'd been under that old hood flying, you know, and the instrument work. And I'm telling you, I got up and walked four miles to the airport and jump in that plane. And I'd go out there and fly by myself and do what he, my professor instructor told me to do the day before. And I thought, man, I get him out of the way, I'll do it. You know, but I, of course, I didn't have to look for me. I had, of course, I was on radar, and I had the radar deal on and so forth, and I, I called up approach control, and I said, you kind of watch out for me now because I'm flying out here to Petersburg intersection, and I'm going to do some holding patterns, you know. And I get up there and just circle around. You've got to come right down that deal because if you come into busy airport, they may stack you uh, 10 high. 15, they may, you may be there an hour just circling. They say, you stay right there. See, there'll be one up yonder and one here 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 and on down. And they put me in a slot, see. If you go in New York, did you know you got to let New York know before you ever leave Dallas, Texas, so they'll fix a slot for you. Think about that. I mean, you got to come in right. I mean, if you don't, you foul the whole works up, See. And all those fellas up there, big old jets up there circling around, loaded with passengers, you know. And that little old plane of mine down there circling around. And one right up above me and one right under me and all that. Man, I tell you, I'm glad I'm a Christian. <laughs> and, uh, but anyhow, there you are. And uh, so, I, but I came in and I, and my instructor, he came out and said, well, you ready to fly? I said, oh, I've flown two hours. But he said, I, I said, I'm ready. So we flew that morning and he, we came in and did a little ground school. And we went back out in the afternoon and we flew some more. And then we came back and I said, I want you to make a, I want you to make an IFR trip. You got to file a flight plan. And he gave me this stuff, you know, and said, you got to figure out from here to Childress and you got to go back to um, uh, Amarillo and then you got to go down Plainview and in the Lubbock. And he said, there it is. That's pencils. I said, now, figure it out. You got to figure out the wind correction. You got to figure all that stuff out. Man, I tell you, just a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, all I want to do is just go down the middle of the road and get on over there. But you got a lot of things to figure out, see. And so I said, all right. So I got it all figured out. And, and, and so I, he was hungry, and I fixed him a big salad, and I ate with him. Mm-hmm. Boy, listen. 
Mother Nature said, don't you do that. You're not really hungry. I said, yeah, but I haven't eaten all day. Yeah, she said, don't what care. I mean, you're all right. You're feeling pretty good. I mean, you, you. so you know what I did? I did just like most of you chipmunks do. I ate. I just ate. I ate that salad. and Boy, I, ordinarily it would have been just tremendous. I mean, you know, had everything in it, avocados and, and oh, tomatoes and, and, and lettuce and sunflower seeds, you know. And I mean, I had it all in there. I mean, just so fine. And I looked at that and I thought, man, I have meat and I better, you know, uh, that's what the, a lot of time the world, old flesh say, boy, you better, you're going to get too weak, you know. You better eat now. And I, I said, okay. So I, man, he and I, I gave him most of it, right? And I want you to know Mother Nature said, I'm going to penalize you for this. Boy, and all of a sudden I began, not that I was nauseated, but I mean, oh, the the stomach was, and I was miserable. And I nearly backed out. I got out the airport. I said, brother, and I never have indigestion, but I had it. And, and, I, and I suffered for a while. And I said, Lord, I promise you this. I'll listen to Mother Nature next time, just eating in order to keep from getting hungry. I would have gone on without that. And But I made the round, came back. Now, you've been in the same fix. Now, I ought to fasted, see. Why? I was too tired. I mean, I was so weary. I woke up at morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I tell you, I've dreamed about flying, and I've been going down the ILS, and I'm telling you, I'd, I everything in the world. So if, when you get like that, you better learn to do without food. That's right. A lot of times, you little girls, you have one of these little nervous upset fits. You say, well, just don't eat. Your body's not going to do anything with it. That's the time to fast. That's one of the times to fast. And now then, another time to fast is when you, and you need God's presence and power, you face Maybe some difficult decisions and burdens, and and uh, he just wants you to he just wants you to fast and and pray and just take the time. I wish I could. I wish I had. I really do. And I'm on the radio. I wish I had a hundred thousand people out across Radio Land that knew how to pray and fast. I wish we did. Uh, if we knew how to pray and fast, you talk about God's blessings. You talk about. Uh, uh, the presence of the Lord. You talk about provisions. Why we'd have it, we we could pray down millions of dollars, but more than that, we'll pray down millions of souls if we had people that had the power of God. Now, you say, how long? How long shall I fast? And what shall I eat when I quit fasting? Now, a lot of people uh, they look forward to eating again, and they say, well, I. The thing I enjoy about fasting is because I get so hungry and I, I just can hold so much when I get there. That's the dangerous part of it right there. That's the silly part of it right there. I'll guarantee you it is. You fast a day and then you eat enough for two days. And that's not it at all. No, sir. And now fasting has been criticized because it's a Bible doctrine. Anything, salvation by grace, is a controversial doctrine. Baptism by immersion is a controversial doctrine. But fasting is hated and despised because it's in the book. It's God's plan for God's people, and God's people ought to learn to be obedient. And so I'd say this. It's been criticized. You heard maybe somebody got a big write-up in the paper. You know why? Because he fasted 37 days and died. And there's nothing wrong with fasting 37 days if God tells you to. I'd want him to tell me to. But I tell you what, this business of fasting for publicity's sake, I'd say that's dangerous. I really would. I, it'd scare me. And I'd say this, if the Lord laid it on my heart to fast 40 days, I'd want to get all his directions 
and I, I, I wouldn't be working and traveling every day. I, I really wouldn't. I'd go off somewhere, and I'd take my Bible with me, and I imagine he'd let me drink water because I think the body could become really dehydrated in 40 days. And so I'd drink plenty of water, and I'd rest, and I'd read my Bible, and I'd, I'd live off of the Lord. I'd just have to live off of the Lord. I'd just say, no, Lord, you told me to do this, and whatever the purpose of it is, I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I want you to feed me. I want you just to feed me the Word of God. And I'm going to let my body completely relax, and I'm going to rest. And I wouldn't be running across the hills every day. I might take just a short walk and breathe deep. Most people breathe like a rabbit. And therefore, they're not going to live much longer than a rabbit a lot of times if you don't breathe right. Did you know that breathing is one of the absolute necessities to health? Did you know that you say, well, I never did even think about it. I believe we ought to plan to think about it. We ought to do some breathing exercises. Right out there on the school ground, you ought to teach them to fill their lungs. I mean, literally fill, deep, breathe deep. I mean, why let two-thirds of your lungs go to waste or rest all the time? Fill them up uh, with good fresh air, if you can find some. Of course, I'd say this, and I really mean this. If people would start walking, leave the little silly cars in the garage or out in the yard, I'd be just go to walking. I mean, if you haven't gotten further to go in a mile or two or three or four, I mean, just walk it. Not every day. I'm not saying you got to walk every day. But if, if, if we, we'll never have well bodies uh, until we learn how to exercise them. Now, you can talk about eating all you want to, and you can talk about health food, and you can talk about breathing. But if we don't exercise these bodies, they're going to get stale and stiff and arthritis and rheumatism and everything else is going to come. I'll tell you, I... I, there's no substitute for exercise if you're going to be healthy. I'd say learn to fast, learn to exercise, learn to breathe, drink a lot of the right kind of liquids. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.